I'm Andrew Norton, and this is Completely Optional Knowledge. Stacey Anderson is a music critic. She writes for places like the New York Times and Rolling Stone. That means that she's been to lots of concerts and listened to lots of music. Loud music. I have the hearing of an 80-year-old man at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I might have raced a couple crucial years standing right next to a speaker. (laughs) And Stacey, she's got a question. I do. I'm curious to know if whale songs have changed over time. I got to say, when I hear whale songs, I don't know if you're like me, but I picture those little kiosks at the drugstore that sell like meditation music. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I can see why that'd be a top seller. I mean, what I have heard of whale songs has been very soothing, very contemplative. I mean, hopefully that's not just personification. It, it really does seem like there's something sort of gentle and, and lovely to that. So I'm curious what you think the answer is. Like, I wonder if it's like, you know, at a department store at Christmas where there's like five or six kind of classics on rotation. And then occasionally there'll be like that Mariah Carey song if someone wants to mix it up. Right, right. Like, I wonder if there's like staples, you know? Sure. And that would be very interesting to me because, I mean, the thing about music now is that it's evolved so swiftly in human society and often in a reactionary form to whatever the previous generations popularized. So Right. So you're wondering, like, if they if they kind of remix other stuff, if they get influenced by other whales or are these songs just kind of constant classics sure yeah do do whales have their own white christmas (laughs) i'm andrew norton and this is the completely optional knowledge podcast brought to you by greenpeace ask inquire seek the truth the show where we take questions that make you go huh and we try and make you be like oh Ellen Garland studies humpback whales, and during her PhD at the University of Queensland, she analyzed 11 years of whale songs collected by a place called the South Pacific Whale Research Consortium. And before I asked her our big question, I had to get the basics straight. Why do whales even make these sounds? So with uh, the humpback whales that I work with, their song is a sexual display. So the males are either displaying to females or to other males. So basically, it's a big display. They're composed of a whole lot of different sounds, which we call units. So they can have sort of 34 to 38 different sound types. Huh. So do these songs change over time? Absolutely. So what happens is that we can have units added or deleted or stretched or condensed. And then we have a few units that make up what we call a phrase. Now, these phrases are then repeated over and over again to make a theme. And it's these arrangements that can change over time. And so it happens progressively. Usually what happens is that in any year, there is old material And then there's new material added, so a new theme can appear and all the males will incorporate that. So do they adopt these new units and kind of make these new songs because they find it's effective? Or is it like peer pressure? Is it like everyone's got the Taylor Swift album, I got to go on iTunes and grab it? Um, We're not entirely sure. We suggest that males want to be a little bit novel. So that a male is displaying potentially to a female, he wants to be slightly different to, you know, the other males around him. He wants to stand out that little bit. Sure. And whenever these novel changes turn up in a population, they all incorporate these really quickly. So all males in a population will be singing the same song, 
but it is progressively changing through time and all males take up these changes. We're not sure which males are leading the changes, but we just know that once these changes happen, all of the males take it up. So they they really like them. So it's almost like how many times have you walked down the street and you see some guy parked at a red light and his music is just pumping? I, I suppose I'm surprised not at how similar whales are to us, but how similar we are to whales, I suppose. It's really interesting to study animal culture and social learning. I think you find some interesting sort of evolutionary similarities. And is this something new that scientists or yourself have, have happened upon, this changing of songs? No, this has been known for a long time. The work that I've been doing is looking at these amazing revolutionary changes. Hmm. So what I found is a new song can turn up in the East Australian population, and then they would pass them across the populations in the South Pacific from the East Coast of Australia across to French Polynesia. So all the males in that population suddenly took up this new song type that came from a different population. So it's almost like a whale hears it. They're like, that sounds interesting. That's new. That's novel. I can use this to impress females. And then they use it. And then it kind of, there's a ripple effect from there. Yeah, it seems that once a new song type turns up, all the males rapidly switch to this new song type. And as we postulated, they really like novelty. And if it is directed at females, then they'll possibly stand out a little bit. We have no idea what the females prefer. (laughs) But we find that once this new song type is discovered in the population, they're all switching to this new song type extremely rapidly, so within a two- to three-month singing season. And it happened regularly and repeatedly, not just with one song type. We had a number of song types that were then passed across the South Pacific, which was really interesting. So I, I joked a little bit earlier about how whale songs have kind of become synonymous with new agey uh, meditation sort of music, but what's it like to actually hear these things in person? Um, they can be quite loud and they can be quite beautiful and they can also be very screechy. So it depends, of course, which whales you're working with. But I work with the humpback whales and they're not all the pretty, lovely moans that everyone has come to believe. There's a lot of shrieking um, sounds in there, I've decided, or grunting. You know, it depends what they throw into the song each year. Right. So it's a little more punk rock than we might might expect. Exactly. <laughs> My first and immediate response is a bit of disappointment, honestly, that's just the men singing. I think right. every species needs an Aretha. <laughs> I'm kind of curious to know the learning curve of the younger whales. If they start with the vocalization with different inflections or patterns and all the young whales look at them like, ew, and then they have to, they have to rethink, you know, maybe there was, there was a little nail that was really ahead of its time, like the Joe Strummer of whales right. who just really was a little too contentious for the ladies in the beginning and to change course. Right, had to step in line. Uh, there's one whale that's really pre-apic and really getting success with his vocals. Like maybe there's a Justin Bieber whales right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny to me. Like it just seems like at least male whales are just like teenage boys. Like the funniest part of what she said was when she said, we have no idea what the females prefer. And it just like, <laughs> <laughs> like it just harkens me back to like high school or something. You know, you go to like Hot Topic and you buy your Cure or Smith's t-shirt and you wear it. And it hopes that like, we have no clue what they like, but I'm like, we, we got to try everything here, guys. Right. There's, there's one whale doing the equivalent of playing a lot of video games and wondering why that's not working. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> you 
know, like they have these meetings like, okay, we don't get it, guys. Like none of us are getting laid here. We need some new stuff. Like what what else is out there? Let's go do some scouting. Are there any new tunes out there? We're like, let's try anything, you know? Yeah, that's, that's not an answer I was expecting. I was expecting some beautiful ruminating conversation. And now they're all just trying to get laid. Just like all of us. <laughs> Completely Optional Knowledge is presented by Greenpeace. It's produced by J.P. Davidson. Breakmaster Cylinder made our theme music. And me, I'm Andrew Norton. Head over to completelyoptionalknowledge.org to hear more episodes, to subscribe, and to, of course, ask us your questions because we need your weird questions to keep this thing going. Leave us a voicemail with your questions and feedback at 202-697-6912. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks with more completely optional knowledge. And hey, do us a favor. If you do subscribe to the show, give us one of those ratings on iTunes, man. They really, really help us. And if you have already, you know, tell a friend. Tell someone on Facebook about this podcast. Science.